A very good day to you, my fellow film fans. Thank you so much for joining me, Edith Bowman, for another episode of Soundtracking. It's lovely to have you along with us. Uh, very much appreciate you choosing us, uh, along with the gazillion of other podcasts that there are out there. We don't take it for granted. We know you have so much choice out there. So genuinely, really appreciate you um, yeah, choosing us and having a bit of a listen to our enthusiasm for film, music, TV, and long may that continue is what I would like to say. We've had such a nice response to our last few episodes and really kind of celebrating independent films. So thank you very much to everybody who's gotten in touch and also just the um, appreciation as well for those little films and people involved in them for, for us, including them on the podcast. Genuinely, it's a pleasure that we can have you part of it. So we want to try and continue that as much as we possibly can. So thank you very much, indeedy. So listen, there's a few things that are out in cinema at the minute. One of the things I wanted to draw your attention to that we have not had the chance to speak to anybody about, doesn't mean to say we can't talk to you about it, is Past Lives. It is out in cinemas now and it is a really beautiful story of kind of connection from childhood that individuals can have and how that can... Uh, disappear and be rekindled in later life. It's so great. It's written and directed by Celine Song and it stars, amongst others, uh, Greta Lee, who is extraordinary in the kind of central role of Nora. And you might know Greta Lee as the character Stella from The Morning Show, which I'm just going to add season three is up on Apple TV and it is amazing. Oh my gosh. If you've never watched The Morning Show, you need it in your life. Um, Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston as these kind of female anchors at this station. And in this season, John Hamm is thrown into the mix. Oh, my Lord. It's so great. But anyway, I digress. So Past Lives, as I was saying, is out in cinemas and you should definitely get along to see it, as is the film that we're talking about today on this brand new episode, because she's back with that infectious laugh of hers. And we couldn't be more delighted. Hilda Goodnotier is back on soundtrack and she is one of my very favourite composers of film music. And she joins me to discuss Kenneth Branagh's latest take on the world of Agatha Christie. A haunting in Venice is what it's called. And it's an adaptation of a book, a, a very sort of smaller known book called um, Halloween Party. It's darker, it's more claustrophobic than the previous two Poirot mysteries that he's directed and starred in. Uh, and A Haunting in Venice sees the Belgian detective investigate a murder whilst attending a Halloween seance at a piazza in the floating city. It also encourages him to internalise a bit, which I think is where you can see Brana having the most fun. Now, whilst Hilda uh, used period tropes, the tone is very contemporary, as evidenced by this cue, Pipes. Thank you. 
Matilda. Hi. Yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. My internet is apparently decided to uh, stop working. <laughs> Don't worry. I live in the middle of nowhere now and it's exactly the same. I've got my kids pedaling to keep the Wi-Fi going at the minute. Ah. <laughs> so great to see you. Um, I had a great time watching uh, A Haunting in Venice yesterday, actually. And weirdly, I was just there. We were just on, um, we did a little bit of jumping around um, Europe with my husband who was on tour. And so we were in Venice for two days. So it was quite bonkers watching it on screen and then going, I think we crossed that bridge. And but yeah, so that's cool. That's beautiful. I can't believe it's nearly five years since we last spoke, which was around, well, before Joker came out, which is crazy. That is crazy. Totally wild. Yeah. Time has really yeah. taken on another, you know, another dimension. <laughs> Let's talk about Haunting in Venice then and, and how the, the project was presented to you, because I feel like it's got a really kind of contemporary vision to it in terms of the way it's shot and the kind of angulation of things and and this and your score as well i feel like even though it's a period uh it's got a real contemporary sort of approach to it is, is that fair yes yes no I, I think you're absolutely right i think what's so what's so interesting about this particular version of you know of what, like an adaptation of an agatha christie story is like you know it's it's um it's a, first of all, it's, it's a genre that I really grew up with. You know, I, it was really kind of my my secret, like, you know, that I didn't share with that many people is that I, I basically <laughs> just read crime novels and, and, you know, thrillers and detective novels. You know? so, so when I was growing up, I read like, you know, all of Agatha Christie, all of Sherlock Holmes, all of Nancy Drew. Like I was really that was really my my thing. And my grandmother, who was like a brilliant, brilliant scientist, and she was a virologist and she was completely obsessed with her work she um she was one of the first uh, female doctors in Iceland you know really magnificent woman and she always said that the only way to truly like to have a break from your mind is to read a good crime novel you know so I've really just lived by this philosophy <laughs> I love that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, so that was kind of you know my my little secret before before this project. So so I have kind of always secretly wanted to do an Agatha Christie adaptation because I brilliant. I, I really really love this genre and and I have really strong opinions about how to approach this genre. You know I was like you know I, I'm as much as I love experimenting in general. Like I, I think this is not the genre to experiment with. <laughs> I'm like, this formula works really well. We should just do that kind of. Oh, but you've you've given it something fresh and new though, I think is you yeah. really have. You've, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. No, but and I think that's really the, you know, I, I think that was really the interesting thing for me. It's like how can how can I be really respectful to this genre and and to, you know, all the all the adaptations that have come before and you know, Agatha Christie's work. And and just like and I think that's also what what Ken is doing with the, with the angles and 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 even also just like the adaptation itself. I mean, he's it's based on a story that is uh, you know not very well known and it's 
and they 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 kind of they really expanded the story quite a lot like they they you know really took a lot of things into to different directions and and uh, but but all again like very respectfully i think and and uh, I, I know that uh, um you know her family and and the Christie foundation is like you know over the moon about the about right. the film so so i think it's just you know and and it's just these these questions that are so interesting when you when you're working into a form you know and i think it's the same when you're working with anything classical that has a lot of history like how can you work within the realms of 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 the classical form and history and and orchestration and what have you but just slightly change the slightly change the uh where you look at, look at it from perhaps mm-hmm. you know so so i think for example in um uh, well, in general, like, you know, Ken really wanted to do a film that was very different from the other two films that he had, had done. You know, he wanted to go much darker and, and you know, just like yeah. really, really change the focus of the of the story from the kind of just being this, this chamber piece in, into into Poirot's story and kind of his question. So it's, so it's really it's quite like a personal narrative for Poirot, I think. And but and he also really wanted uh, to to focus all of the aspects more like more towards Poirot. So so and that that included like bringing the orchestration much closer, like further into to to the um, to the personal field, you know. So instead of having like a large orchestra to really make it into kind of like a chamber piece, you know. So so it's much much uh, um, closer orchestrated, like yeah. it's much more narrow, you know. And I thought that was. For me, I thought that was really brilliant because I think for me, what's really interesting about this period in in music is that, um, and as I, I has so many parallels to what Poirot is, is going through at this time, you know, the questions that he's asking himself, you know, just like what around, around the war times, you know, who he was before the war, what happened during the war. And how he wants to rebuild himself and who he wants to be after the war, you know. Mm. And, and I felt that there were so many parallels just with the questions that composers were asking themselves at this time, you know, it's just like how can we how can we rebuild the music tradition, you know, post post yeah. composers are really throwing away a lot of like old ideas about melody and, and musical structure and and they're moving forward and like, you know, experimenting with extended playing techniques and atonal forms and and both like very structured mathematical musical forms or, or like chance compositions and stuff like this you know wow. so, so that was that was really kind of what was at the core of the way that I composed music for the film was to really tie those ideas about melody in particular to to the time narratives of as we see it in the film you know so when we have these um you know, when we're looking back at the story from the girl who was one of the first victims, like there is it's more like a romantic melody and it's like, you know, a way of looking looking towards the past.
and then as we as we like move forward in the timeline and the more that we look forward you know the more that like you know when when everything breaks down in the in the film that the the musical tonality is very fractured and and it's really like um uh you know it's, it starts getting much more like atonal and and the orchestration is completely in, in unison like there's no chords and it's it's very um very structured and and fractured at the same time And then when we get to the um to the to the big reveal, you know, when we're really like rebuilding the world, then you know, we have this like big atonal violin suite and and uh, uh, accompanied by a chamber orchestra, which I thought was like a way to way to move forward, you know, not just in the narrative, but also like musically in, in the, the the historical narrative of what was going on in music, you know, at this time. So so there's all these connections for me that were like very classical and really rooted in the time, like really rooted in, in music history and, and what was actually happening in, in, in music at this time. And just to kind of structure it into the um into the film. I think you know that was that's what made the um made it so interesting for me to work into the um into the form, you know. That's amazing because I hadn't really thought about that in terms of of it reflecting musicians, composers at that time and their reaction to what was going on in the world and post-war and mm. you know around their around their art and culture and, and how that affected them as well. That's amazing to be able to to bring that into to the narrative around your music. It's incredible. Mm. Really yeah. powerful. Yeah, yes, I think it's really it was really fun for me, you know, and, and when I when I started to work in that way and I was really, you know, I was really looking at like, okay, what were composers that I find like, you know, kind of 
that were kind of the, the forward thinking voices of, of this time for me musically, like how were they orchestrating, what techniques were they using and, and so forth. You know, it was just, it was so interesting for me to, to work in that way. And then almost, you know, for me, the music almost wrote itself, you know, it was just, it just yeah. unfolded When were you brought in? Because, you know, it's always the case with, you know, when we spoke before and, and just how, you know, that, that wonderful story about you being involved with, with Joker, for example, so early on and that helping inform, you know, Joaquin's performance and things like that. But with this, and I also I noticed in the, you, know, you mentioned the first victim sort of thing in this. And it, when we go into her bedroom and there's a cello in the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I noticed, I was like, ah, I was like, so I wondered whether you, you, you know, you'd been involved how early you came on board and, and that obviously being there and the connection with you with that instrument in terms of, you know, that I just, yeah, a little thing that may not have any relevance, but yeah, but I noticed it. Yeah, exactly. No, I think it it, it did have some relevance, I, I, I believe. So I, um, so I came in basically as they were shooting. So, so I was, I had a lot of like, uh, um, uh, meetings with Ken just like around the time that they were shooting and I was getting some some dailies and and saw some uh, um, pictures you know from the from the set and all of this I didn't sadly didn't manage to go there myself there was some errors yeah. that happened in, in the planning sadly because the set looked so you know phenomenal I would really love to go there but 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 anyways so so we we started talking quite quite early on and I know that they were they were playing a lot of my music on set. So um mm. so I know that I was my music was hovering over the <laughs> over the acting as yeah. well. So it set the set the tone I, I know for, for a lot of the um a lot of the atmospheric stuff on, on, on set definitely. But um and then we uh basically just as they were finishing the shooting, then I was writing the music to to hunt in to Ken before they started editing. Uh, it was just so wonderful to work with Ken because he's so he has such an incredibly mm. clear vision about what he is after, you know, and, and it was so beautiful to see him just, you know, set the path, like set the course of, of action and then, you know, be able to just hand the ball over mm. to, you know, to me to interpret. But he really just, he never, he never wavered from that, you know, from, from that yeah. original idea. And it's just, it's so nice because it just, it makes it so easy to work with uh, um, into that sort of way of working because you you always know which direction you're heading, you know, you never have any big 
chaos moments where everything is turned around. You know, it's just we're <laughs> yeah. slowly and surely into the, into the same direction. Nice clear path. Nice clear exactly. path. You know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. And I really appreciate that because I think it's such a, you know, if you have a clear direction, it's so much easier to create into like, you know, to, to, to have your mind wander away, you know, from that point of view, because you yeah. never used, you know, so I, I really, you know, I loved working with him and he was so, so lovely, super, super lovely. And so, so basically, so we had a lot of, lot of uh, talks about what he was after. And I, and I wrote a lot of, you know, a lot of music based on those ideas and and um so basically and, and recorded them i recorded very early on because i wanted to because this kind of music you know you want it to be real from the from the get-go so so basically i, I did like uh, an early very early recording session so so a lot of the music stayed very similar to to how i first wrote it like throughout the throughout the edit because the then the edit grew into the music and then they sent stuff back to me and I could work, you know, from the edit into the, bring those elements back into the music. And it just, you know, unfolded so, so beautifully and naturally together. So, so like that big reveal scene, you know, yeah. that basically stayed the same. So, so you basically have this like nine minutes, just like, you know, atonal composition that stayed the same the whole time. Like I never, I, I added a bar to that scene. You know? Nine minutes. That's a luxury, <laughs> yeah. no? Yeah. It's a total luxury. And it was just so, so wonderful because it's, you know, and because in, in this way, I can really be writing music for the music or for the story, you know, yeah. and, and really listen to the music as compositions like you know separate from the from the film i think because you don't it doesn't necessarily require the um you know the, the visuals to go to lift the music you know it can it, it yeah. both elements stand on their own and i and i just i love working in this way because i think it's it's um everything can just kind of unfold so naturally and slowly with the kind of work process and, and it just it feels very natural There's, the, there's some lovely kind of um, narrative furniture that kind of really has beautiful 
music with it. So things like it's Halloween going on in Venice. So that framework of that and what that kind of gives. You have that kind of the weird dark puppet show thing with the kids and it's telling the backstory to the building uh, and the party as well, which has this kind of almost like it sounds like like almost like when the saints go marching in distorted and kind of that kind of thing of pulled apart a kind of almost like a nursery rhyme that's been sort of stretched or or manipulated as well so those kind of little moments that just kind of and the accordion in the background in the streets of Venice and things like that these kind Mm. of little moments that give music the opportunity to have fun in a way and you know, and play mm. with those kind of landscapes of where it is and what it is sort of thing, with those kind of nice elements outside the main, I guess, the main arena of character themes and narrative almost in a way. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I think that's the, that's the, really the, the beauty of, of working into periods and, and places is that there's so much music can really just really help pinpoint where, you know, where we are and what people are going through. You know, it's it's so, it's such a, transportive medium you know <laughs> yeah 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 totally <laughs> I really love as well the cue um with the scene with Michelle and Ken um mm. that's an that's an amazing cue I really that kind of really resonated with me a, a, as well just in terms of I mean Michelle's extraordinary to watch I could watch her paint a room sort of thing she just has such a presence Every character actually has a bit of that, you know, in terms of yeah. where they they really divulge a really inner emotion, I think. Jamie has it as well. Jamie does a brilliant performance of when he's, you know, reflecting on his experience and Ken yeah. as well and Michelle in that scene as well. But do you mind talking a little bit about that that scene with Michelle and Ken where, yeah, they're sort of, all, they're almost, she's almost taken him to a point of belief almost in a way, I feel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's so it's so beautiful to, you know, because he is he is really questioning his beliefs. Like he's really questioning who he is and he's retired and and he's like I don't I don't want to be this old, you know, I don't want to be my old self. I want to be something different and and it's it's really beautiful to see um the way that that Michelle's character like makes him question himself all over again you know and his beliefs and 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 because he has such a incredibly uh strong conviction about what is real and how things are and 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 how logical things are and and and, uh so he's really struggling not to believe her but it just goes really goes against his well you know everything that he stands for and believes in you know (laughs) so it's uh yeah i think it's a beautiful thing and i think throughout the whole throughout the whole film we keep we keep questioning, like, you know, what is real? What is, you know, what is, how does that work? And and I think that's so nice also about this, you know, about this genre is that it is kind of, it's it's a very active participation on behalf, uh, um, on behalf of the audience, like the, the, the audience yeah. member is constantly trying to figure stuff out, you know, and I think that's what's so wonderful about about the genre. It's like you're, you know, along with Poirot and everyone, you're like trying to figure out who's done it or how this works. And and uh, and I think this, that, that, that kind of supernatural aspect fits really beautifully as an extra layer to that because you're, you're constantly trying to figure out, like, is that real? Is, is, the, is it a ghost or is it like, is it a trick? Or, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's really, you know, it's really fun.
It is, and it's amazing to think, isn't it, that that, uh, that a writer, that Agatha Christie's work is still can still be celebrated and still can be reimagined and retold and still have an audience. It's wonderful, isn't it? It kind of like yeah, never you're never tired of it, really. No, exactly, and it's been phenomenal to you know after I joined this project and when I tell people what I'm working on, you know. Literally every single person I meet, and it doesn't matter like if they're old or young or you know female or man, you know it's just it doesn't matter like where, where what their background is. People inevitably are just like I love Agatha Christie, and it's just like with with a real passion. And I was like, oh my god, I love your stuff. <laughs> it's not just like oh, I kind of like that, you know. It's like people really <laughs> love her work. <laughs> yeah. And it's really, it's really beautiful because she was just such a, you know, she was so way ahead of her time, you know, just like as a, as a, you know, if we just look at being like a female artist, you know, at, yeah. you know, when she is writing, I mean, it's just phenomenal. She like, she did music and she did, she wrote, she did, she did everything. And she was so, so ahead of her time. And I just love that we can, you know, just, celebrate her still in 2023 and like reinvent and re you know revisit work that that you know is less less known and and we can still you know there's such wealth to draw from in her yeah work. I just love that it's fantastic it's great and it's it's really clever as well because he's done this thing with the Vera Lynn track as well you know hmm. in terms of the way that that's a kind of like a bookend almost in in a way. Did you know, I don't know, did you, were you aware that that was going to be part of it? Did, yeah, but did you know that that was going to be the track and, and how that was going to work within the film, the framework of the film and the story? Yeah, yeah. That again, like that was pretty clear from the from the get-go. Like pretty much like, yeah. you know, everything that, that Ken brought in was, was, you know, it was pretty much always there. <laughs> Boys are home again all over the world and rain or snow is all that may fall from the skies above. My kiss won't be but hello to love. Had a lovely chat with him around um, for Belfast. It was amazing to hear, you know, to hear how, particularly when he's he's in this, and yeah. how he's like he's got he's like the polymath of having so many jobs to do, sort of thing, yeah. and yeah. just being so present for each one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It's just unbelievable presence. I think that he has with. You know, with all like all the aspects of 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 everything, you know, and he's like so, he's so incredibly like present and generous also, and in the way that he approaches everything, you know, he's just it's it's so beautiful, you know, because he has such a clear idea about what he's doing, he can just like allow everyone so much space to to do their thing because everyone's like, yeah, okay, this is what we're doing, and then you know, I know what I'm doing, and you know, it's just it's it makes everything so just wonderful to work into, I think. And and, and um, 
And I think Belfast was just so great. I really loved that film. Yeah, it was really, it was really different. It really just stood out in terms of, of, yeah. um, you could feel, you could feel the, his, you know, his heart in, in that as well. I hear so many great things about people who've worked with him, just about how kind of collaborative he is and how, and just how, how safe they feel and how, how supported they feel as well with, with his kind of the way that he works and, and the Absolutely. projects that he works on. Yeah, because yeah. he's so, he's so respectful, like every single step, like every note he gives, like there's so much respect in it and, and uh, he's just a truly lovely person. <laughs> oh, I, I love your history with this genre. It's brilliant to know that you're, you know, you're uh, going back to your grandmother of how, you know, yeah. how proud she, she'd be for this to, to know that you've oh done your... Oh my gosh, she would be over the moon. I really, <laughs> I just really, I had to really do this one for her. I was like, you know, here's looking at you. <laughs> That's so great. Um, yeah. And also I had a lovely chat with um, with Kate um, Blanchett about Tar last and my time frame is terrible with things now after covid it's like i don't know one of the whether it happened two years ago or five years ago but um that was an extraordinary project congratulations on on tar as well thank you yeah that was really 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 special on so many on so many levels and and like musically of course it was just you know it was such a treat to get to to get to do this project and and just so phenomenal to get to do it with Todd and, and Kate, you know, it was just really, really something else, you know, really was, really was amazing. Was part of that because it was exploring your world in a way, do you know what I mean? In terms of that kind of, of, you know, of exploring, yeah, the world of a, of a musician and everything around, around that, you know, the orchestra and the, and all that kind of thing as well. It's, it, it felt like such a, um, you know, not the not the most um, pleasant of characters, but you know, in terms of an exploration of of that world and being able to represent that musically, must have been f- fabulous. Absolutely, no. It was on just on, as you said, on so many levels. Of course, this is you know, this is my world. You know, that this is my scene, so to say. You know, and I, and I just like it's. I, I just think there's been, you know, there's so much to talk about, you know, just in the, in the, uh, um, in the world of, of women composers, women, um, directors and, and women, you know, conductors, you know, it's, it's just so insane how little space women are, are, have, have been getting in, in these, you know, in, in the, in the, in these fields, you know, across yeah. the, across the runner. So it was just, it was really interesting for for me to just you know start asking all of these questions and and uh, and, I, and I think that was the, the the fantastic thing about the film it asked so big questions and so many big questions just I mean not just about gender issues but also just about power structures and and you know and that were so ungendered you know so just like how how power structures in in generally like how how they work and all of these all of these things so so, so just like approaching that story was so interesting and also about the space that you can occupy for a a female narrative what kind of story can you tell about a woman you know which which was also incredibly interesting because obviously that um you know we're going through such uh an intense moment in time of you know, just re-examining women's rights and and you know our place in you know our our place in the world. You know, we're really going yeah. through this 
transition, I think. And and it's, you know, it's it's fantastic, but it's also comes with a lot of hard work and it's and 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 not all of it is pretty, you know. I think I think it's yeah. Transition of just like what we're seeing with, for example, the Spanish soccer team, the women's soccer team, you know, yeah. as a result of that, you know, it's, it's just, I think it just goes to show like what is happening for people of the old world to, to you know, to accept that the, the, this new place where women are demanding to be respected, you know. At the same time, it's also really interesting to see what kind of stories about women you're allowed to tell, you know, because at the same yes. time, you know, you're not really allowed to tell stories that are uncomfortable about women because obviously women come in all shapes and colors and, and comfort and discomfort, you know, they're not all just yeah. love because they're women, you know. So so I I, I just they're complicated. You know, I, <laughs> very complicated. <We're> compli- <laughs> you know, exactly. It's very, very human and very complicated. Yeah. You know? so, and we so should I, be able I, to tell those stories. Absolutely, absolutely. And I thought that was so interesting just to see kind of the 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 response to Tar, you know, which was very strong. And and you know, justifiably so. I th- I think, you know, the the film is asking a lot of uncomfortable questions over. I think people, you know, want to have opinions about them. And I think that's wonderful. And I think that was exactly the point of the film, you know, and what I thought was so Wonderful is that even if you, you know, no matter which, uh, you know, end of the table you're at, whether you, you know, disapproved of, of, you know, thought it was an anti-feminist film or like a feminist statement, you know. Yeah. I, I think that the, the attention that was given to female conductors in the, uh, in the mainstream media was phenomenal. Like I had never before this, I had not seen a single article about about a female conductor, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden, have a book. Have I have like, a book. It, I, yeah, I have yeah, a book. I no, need to send you. It's. Yeah. Have you read this yet? I have not. No. So it's by this um, female musicologist called Leah Broad, and it's called uh-huh. How Four Women Changed the Musical World. And so it's Ethel Smythe um, and all these other amazing, Rebecca Clark, Dorothy Howell, and Doreen Carwith- uh, Carwithin. So 1890s to like. 1850s to 1922, these four female composers. I'll get a copy to your team for you to read it because it's phenomenal. It's so interesting. But you also need to take a wonderful celebration of that in terms of, you know, of what Joker did and what that score did and what it did for female composers on a world stage to see you pick up so many awards for that film. And just the encouragement that must have given so many women you know in in your world the kind of confidence to go we can do it we can be recognized we can you know so I hope you take a a a lot of um joy in what you've done you know particularly with what that score did I think and Chernobyl as well actually as well you know across tv and film it's brilliant to see yeah yeah no it was really special it was really you know and it it really surprised me you know that when when all of this was happening because I I hadn't really thought too much about that. I, I knew there were so few women that were getting these opportunities, you know. So I, I did feel a, a, some sense of responsibility of, of kind of having to step up and as I was getting these opportunities to, to take them and take them seriously, you know, because I, I thought, you know, we, we just need to have more women doing this job, you know. 
but I didn't really fully realize that the extent of it until it happened, you know, when I was the first woman to receive that and the first woman to receive this and, the, you know, this maybe the second woman to, you know, it's like when, when I started getting all these statistics and I was like, oh my God, are you serious? Like, this is how bad it was, you know, and I just, it kind of just didn't hit me until afterwards how how incredibly bad it actually was and how how yeah. representation women were getting in this in this field like it kind of because i am i guess i'm kind of working also a little bit like you know left field of the industry or whatever you want to call it you know because i'm you know working a lot in just my own little bubble you know but it's been amazing to see you know as a result just to just to see how big of an yeah, big of an effect it had for for just you know just for one person just being recognized and 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 you know to, talked about or whatever like you know being more visible, you could actually see like a noticeable difference and and just like you know females applying to music programs and universities and and colleges and stuff like this, which I think has yeah. just been it's just been so cool and it's like so. <laughs> unbelievably just fantastic to get to be a part of that conversation and to get to be a part of you know to get a microphone to say just like come on let's do it you know (laughs) there's no reason why we shouldn't and there's no reason you know people that are making these decisions like you know there's absolutely no reason why women shouldn't be able to write music like it's just a form of expression you know And, and and I'm so far from being you know the only the only woman or, or like the first woman to write music or whatever, but it, it's, it's just, a, it's, it's just such a, such a privilege to get to be a part of that conversation and, and, and to, to, to get to be a part of hopefully uh, um, cheering more women on to getting more work and, and doing more work and, and just, uh, yeah. I'm so excited for um, Joker next year. And I'm particularly because I'm really excited to see what, what you've written for Gaga's character in that from the images that we've seen it's kind of like oh my god I can't wait um (laughs) for the whole for the whole thing I'm so excited um so I can't and I hope we get the chance to talk about it next year as well I imagine you're you're in the midst of it all at the minute anyway so yeah 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 yeah. just getting ready for for the recording so so we're just In the last, the last push. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, well, please, please let us come back to talk about it with you. It'd be great to get the chance to to do that next year at some point when it's done. Absolutely. And then. Um, Love to. And um, good luck with the recording then. That's exciting. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> Thank you. It's so lovely to chat to you again. And it's so lovely. You You have the most beautiful and infectious laugh that can kind of just make make a day brighter. So it's lovely to hear that again. Congratulations on a haunting in Venice, Hilda. It is lovely to chat to you again. And um, I hope to see you soon in person. Yeah, likewise. So good to see you again. See you soon. All right. Yeah, take care. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.
From the score to A Haunting in Venice, that's Money in the Mattress, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the fabulous Hilda Gunnatia. My huge thanks to Hilda for taking the time to talk to us. A Haunting in Venice is on general release now and I very much look forward to speaking to her again when the next Joker film comes out next year. If you'd like to hear my previous chat with her or indeed Joker director Todd Phillips, head to edithbowman.com or wherever you get your podcasts and please do rate, review and subscribe if you haven't. Soundtracking UK is the place to find us on socials and you can also get in touch by email if you fancy with whatever you fancy chatting about. Just drop me an email to info at edithbowman.com. Next up, Prasanna Puanjara and Niall Lawler join me to discuss a beautiful and brilliant little uh, independent Irish film called Ballywater. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. (laughs) 